You're listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast, dedicated to bridging the gap between alternative healthcare and mainstream medicine in utilizing everything good to help you feel great. We're glad you tuned in. Now here's your host, Dr. Michael Pound. Today we're talking mindful breathing strategies to improve your health with Ed Harold, who's an expert on mindful breathing strategies With the current levels of stress and how this is playing a role in creating sickness, pain, and disease, breathing is one of the most powerful tools we have in regulating our autonomic nervous system. And Ed wrote the book, Life with Breath, A New You, where he reveals the art, science, and application of yoga breathing for improving mental, emotional, and physical health. What I like about Ed is that he blends the fields of neuroscience and wisdom into effective strategies to improve well-being. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this interview with Ed Harold. All right. Good morning, Ed. Welcome to the show today. I'm happy to have you on. It's great to be with you, doctor, and your community. I'm really looking forward to sharing some time with you today. Hey, and I'm excited to have you on because we need someone to talk to us about breathing. But before we get into that, I'm sure you didn't grow up and think, okay, I'm going to be a breath coach when I grow up or a speaker. Tell, tell us how that evolution happened to where you got to where you are. Yeah, I kind of backed my way into this very counterintuitively about 20 years ago. I was a broken athlete. My body was, was rigid and lots of uh, low back injuries and knee surgeries and just a typical Western jock with a lot of rambunctious mental energy. My body was beginning to break down and inside my mind, I noticed that I was living a pretty contracted life. And just through a series of serendipitous events, I got involved in uh, yoga and a yoga tradition that was really steeped in pranayama or controlling the life force energy of the body-mind. And that was exactly what I needed at that time in my life. And I began to notice that when I would bring intentional breathing or breath control practices into my exercise routines, into my stretching routines, into my work routines that I was getting so much more quality out of the mind brain connection with a lower heart rate and everything began to change for me. And I really tapped into a hidden energy source that I wasn't aware that was available to me the first 35 years of my life. Uh, I was a professional marathon swimmer when I was younger. I had a lot of energy and I was in the middle of a uh, 22 and a half mile marathon swim and everything was breaking down and the water was cold. I was throwing up and I literally mentally had reached this wall and I just literally wanted to quit thousands and thousands of times mentally, but something kept, kept, kept me going. I I didn't really know what it was. And then all of a sudden around mile 13, I felt this amazing warmth of like golden light energy come up from my pelvis. And I felt like a nuclear reactor of superhuman energy was coming up through my body. And I went from down to like 60 strokes a minute, which was just debilitating and really, really terrible. And all of a sudden, within like five or 10 minutes, I tapped into this new awareness, this new energy of the pelvis. And I was back up to 90 strokes a minute. And the last eight and a half miles of the race, I, I was in for the ride of my life. And in that last eight and a half miles, I really began to interact with my environment in a different way. Normally, when I was younger, I was trying to force my will onto the environment to create athletic goals. And what came to me through the energy was simply relax and let the molecules of the water dictate how you move your 
your arms and your legs through the water. So I almost merged with the water. And I began to move at such a rhythmic pace effortlessly. And it was all of a sudden a light bulb came off. It was like, ah, oh, that's how you swim. And it was, it was just an amazing ride into my heart. Is there, is there any danger in yeah. just kind of picking and choosing what we do or how do, how do we get truly get good results? Well, I think you need to hide, you know, we live in this informational age. We have this amazing artificial intelligence of the, of the computer that gives us access to data from other cultures, other continents that we simply didn't have 50 years ago, unless you were in that environment. <clears throat> and we can actually download, you know, uh, a, a decade of information that, that someone who was out in the woods, uh, you know, a hundred years ago, uh, would take 10 to 20 years to pick up. So there's so much information out there. So I, when I'm working with clients in any platform that I'm working in, whether it's uh, a medicine training or whether it's athletic training or whether it's corporate training, it's an Eastern-Western hybrid. And when you think about Western training, one of the ways I try to think about it is it's very male-based and it's based in frequency, intensity, duration. Frequency, how much you do it, intensity, how hard you're doing it, and then duration, how long do you do it. And when you look at the Eastern model and how the Eastern folks kept their uh, self-care routines and their training models in the balance is uh, they look to breath first. And, and the breath is the primary driver of what they're trying to achieve. And secondly, they work with different angles. They take the 600 muscles, the 200 bones, the 300 joints. They put them in different physical and mental angles and try to absorb the information of what that angle is trying to teach them. And then above all, staying in balance at all times from the soles of your feet up through your low back, straight spine, open mind. So blending that Eastern model of breath angles and balance into a Western model of frequent frequency, intensity, duration gives us a lot wider bandwidth in regard to how we're trying to achieve our goals. Let's go into a little bit of breath and the importance of it in fitness, in weight loss, in physical performance, and how you help people. Yeah, so let, let's just break it down. We'll start with the inhale. And, you know, the inhale is, is something that, that we want to take in through our nose. And we want to allow the molecular structure, the energetic part of the inhale, to move through the nasal turbinates. Uh, the right nostril on the inhale is, is sympathetic and, and is based in cortisol and adrenaline, and there's a slight spiking of the heart rate. The left nostril on uh, the inhale is more parasympathetic. It's more based in, in serotonin and uh, tryptophan and, and cooling hormones that keep us in that rest digest model. And as we inhale through the nose, the first thing that happens is, is we satiate the cranial nerves. And these cranial nerves play such a huge role in regard to our perception of how we're going to interact with this moment. And can we be open to what the opportunity is in this moment or, you know, or are we repeating uh, same perceptions of behaviors and habits in the past, which we simply can't seem to logically move away from. So number one is getting that breath in through the nose, satiating those cranial nerves. When you think about the facial structure, you want to have the muscles around your eyes completely relaxed at all times. You don't want to strain or agitate the mind because when the mind begins to see that the eyes are straining, on some level, it thinks you want to attack or defend. And we want to relax into the present moment. 
separating your teeth slightly and relaxing the masseter in the low jaw, having the tongue pressed up gently against the two front teeth. This unweights or decompresses the TMJ joint, TMD issues, things like that, where we see so many folks overheating in the facial area, overheating the brain. So getting that facial structure completely released and relaxed with that nostril inhale, stabilizing the cranial nerves. As the breath comes down through the trachea, we want to get that vertical pressing of the diaphragm down into the microbiome of the gut, while at the same time supporting lumbar four and five, which is where we see a lot of issues with folks with compression, wear and tear, aging. And when lumbar four and five are stressed, everything else in the body has to work harder. Getting that air down into the lower lobes of the lungs on the inhale is paramount to more quality in your life, more relaxation. You know, the lower lobes of the lungs are imbued with parasympathetic oxygen-rich nerve endings. And getting that air down into the lower lobes of the lungs and following the diaphragm down towards the low back on the inhale really gets us grounded on that inhale. And it stabilizes the mind or whatever the mental perception might be. And it sets you up for a beautiful exhale. Now, I'm a big proponent of the nostril exhale. A couple of reasons for that. Number one is as the diaphragm evacuates the abdomen on the exhale, there's major suction that takes place along the GI tract, and it allows waste of mucus, phlegm, fat, uh, particles that are impeding oxygen distribution through the uh, digestive organs to be removed on the exhale. Like you mentioned earlier, doctor, new science has created a whole new paradigm around this exhale and keeping us in the fat-burning mode. So as long as you can exhale longer than your inhale as you move through your day or even in your exercise routine, you're in a fat-burning mode all the time. When the exhale gets shorter than the inhale, make a mental note of what's going on, but realize you're just burning glucose at that point and you're really not getting into that deep energy source of the fat. As we exhale longer, as you'll notice, the exhale is something that's really missing in our culture and it's playing itself out in our healthcare, in, in our exercise routines, in our perceptions of ourselves and perceptions of other people in our life. So as a culture, we really need to psychologically hang in there on that exhale. And as that diaphragm strengthens and pushes the heart and lungs gently up against rib one and two, it's a wonderful massage on the vascular system of the body. And as you know, heart disease is the number one killer. So when we can strengthen inspiratory and expiratory muscles and give the cardiovascular system assistance in regard to moving things along and keeping vitality high, we've done something really good for ourselves. What I do is I treat chronic pain or back and neck pain. And I'm, I'm always looking for ways to improve and better uh, explain the biomechanics of back pain and the connection to the body. In fact, so even if you were to cut us directly in half, we would not be even, right? <laughs> We're, we're not symmetrical and that's okay. Yeah. You know, we're incredibly balanced in what appears to be visually a non-balanced system. And that's one of the amazing things of the diaphragm muscle. You know, when, when you work with me, the diaphragm muscle is the number one muscle we first look at to improve the quality of, we want to amplify the phrenic nerve, which is the motor nerve of the diaphragm. We want to amplify the vagus nerve, which, which pierces, uh, the diaphragm and has tentacles that run down into our gastrointestinal tract. But when you think about the diaphragm just at the 101 level, it's a dual muscle. 
Number one, it's the primary driver of inhale and respiration and inspiratory muscles. And, and, and number two, it's, it's a functional muscle of posture. And when we have great posture in our low back, other muscles that would normally be contracted to hold us erect turn off in that there's less energy required, the heart rate is lower, and there's more energy up in the brain for executive functioning. Now, I get excited when you start talking about spine and diaphragm because there are several links between the, the mechanics of breathing and spinal stability, and uh, it's directly related. Yes. And those are A couple of those are the reasons why I tell patients I don't I don't like them doing sit-ups because it's very hard to breathe properly while doing a sit-up without the pressure has to go somewhere. It's like a, a little balloon, right? And usually that's through the spine. Yeah. And so to to ensure spinal stability, you have to really be conscious of the breathing. So let's go a little bit into how to help people with back pain uh, with some breathing techniques possibly or or even just how to breathe to avoid back pain. Well, number one <clears throat> is Staying with the inhale and staying with the exhale psychologically longer today than you did yesterday. And notice if you don't feel a profound effect of vitality and clear clarity and awareness tomorrow. It's so important that we complete the inhale and we complete the exhale, especially as we age. And if you look at most of the folks you know, who we work with, they're very shallow breathers. And if we could look at this just from a, just to give it a mapping system, your respiration rate, how many breaths you're taking per minute is going to dictate your heart rate. Your heart rate is going to reflect what your blood pressure is at any given moment. The blood pressure is going to dictate your neurochemistry, you know, your neurotransmitters in any given moment. And when the brain senses safety, the, the fear centers of the brain, the amygdala and, and the hypothalamus, which controls re respiration, blood pressure, hormones, tell the body to burn fat. And when we can reduce inflammation around the areas of the body where inflammation begins to build as our energy drops, so I'm talking about the buttock, I'm talking about the rotators, I'm talking about the upper thighs, these areas start to become inflamed. And when you start to lose your foundation, when you start to lose the muscles of the feet, when you start to lose the calcaneus and the ball joint of the feet, the next place that gets hit is the low back. So when you think about respiration, completing the inhale, I mean, inhale as much as you can and start to change those feedback loops around shallow breathing, whether you're in traffic or you're sitting at home on the couch, you're reading a book, this can be done at any time. And starting to really root yourself down into the grounding rods of the legs. And the more you can keep those feet straight, the more you can breathe and create a strong foundation around the leg structure, there's tremendous support for the erector spinae muscles of the spine to stay young, to stay vibrant, to stay lubricated. It sounds simple, but it is kind of hard to introduce these behaviors, but they have profound effects if you invest some time in it. Well, yeah, it's hard because, hey, Ed, my patients don't want everyone to see their belly, their gut, right? They don't, they don't want to take those deep breaths in. They're self-conscious. How do we overcome that? Well, you know, you know there's a part of our ego that's, that's kind of like a troublemaker. You know, it's always got to get rich quick steam, you know, and it wants to take shortcuts and, you know, all of that, that type of stuff. And, you know, it's wonderful. It's very childlike. It's very playful. But you got to keep an eye on it. You know, if you think about it, when we start to train, we, we get in great shape in the thighs, you know, we get in great shape in the arms, the pectoral muscles, 
the lats, you know, the deltoid. And the last place in traditional Western training that gets that tone is the gut. And when you think about it, if you start to work with breath training protocols, you're going to get at your major energy source first. You're going to get at the gut and tone the gut. The idea here is when you think about the gut, there's three layers of muscles there. The outer two layers, I want to have kind of supple, and it's reading the environment of the room I'm in, and it's checking authenticity of, of what's taking place. That deep internal wall, that deepest layer of abdominal work, I want that layer strong. I want that layer filled with blood, oxygen, minerals, and nutrients because it holds the organs on their attachment on the spine. So when you see folks with you know these six-pack abs and super tight abs, it's wonderful, but what's happening is you're impairing the movement of the diaphragm. The diaphragm is a huge muscle, but it's very, very thin, and it can't compete against super hard abs. So when you think about it, you want to have a belly that responds to the environment. You don't want to have it too flabby. You don't want to have it too tight. And when you start to work with the diaphragm in exercise routines and different breath retention sequences, you start to get that tone right down around the navel low back area right away in your workout routine. And you don't have to wear out the body. You don't have to have super high heart rates because the gut is just difficult to work due to its location, if that makes sense. I mean, if we want to extend the warranty on our life, you know, there's definitely a healthy balance. And I think you just, just explained it. I appreciate that. Thank you. So when it comes to, let's say, when it comes to extending the warranty in our life, we want to sleep better. We want to be able to enjoy our activities of daily living. How does breathing fall into our sleep patterns? So, you know, every animal on earth who could be eaten at any time in his environment is sleeping pretty well at night. The only animal on earth that has trouble sleeping is humans. And, you know, and what we're being attacked from 99% of the time is thoughts. And, and we make these thoughts real over, over time. So when I'm working with folks in regard to uh, improving sleep, I'm going to go to the autonomic nervous system and I'm going to come to the assumption that you're overheating the system during the day. And that would mean that for most folks that you're taking more than 12 breaths a minute when you're conscious. This keeps you in what is called a sympathetic action all day long. You flood your body with adrenaline and cortisol hormones, and you begin to heat the system and actually overheat the system. And, and these, these drugs, these things that the body makes are designed for self-preservation. They're designed to get food or not become food. They're designed for quick bursts of energy for uh, five to 10 minutes and then reboot the system. Well, most folks are under stress, psychological, emotional stress, from the time they open their eyes during the day. In other words, there's more going on than we can handle. And they're going into the day and, and they just seem to be at war with themselves or there's a resistance to growth. So when you're controlling your breathing during the day and taking what I call brain breaks every two hours or three hours, so you're keeping your old trading and circadian rhythms in balance during the day, then it's very, very easy to turn off the professional mind at night, turn on uh, the personal mind at night, and the brain won't have any problem going from the beta waves at work into the alpha waves, which are a little softer, there's not as many thoughts, into that theta state that we were in as a child, and then drop deeper into those delta waves. So to get a good night's sleep, 
by the time you get to bed, it's almost too late because the cells of the body are going to respond to the environment that it was created around you during the day. And you can control that environment by slowing that breath down all during the day and taking little brain breaks uh, every two or three hours, getting out of that left frontal lobe, moving into that, the relaxation qualities of the right frontal lobe where there's not as many thoughts. There's less words and numbers. There's less memory. And we get into that curious, intuitive, creative mode. Before I let you go, I have to touch on mindfulness. If people want to get introduced to this or want to start to practice it, what's a good resource or a good practice to, to get involved in mindfulness practice? Well, you know, number one, when you look back at where mindfulness comes from or the, or the meditation traditions, you know, it, it would all, the prerequisite or the preparation for mindfulness, number one, would always be breath control. In other words, you know, when you slow down the length, depth, and pace of your breathing, in other words, there's more length to the inhale and exhale. There's more depth to the inhale and exhale. And the pace of the breathing is slower. You'll notice immediately that there's a psychological response that mirrors the physiological response around breathing. So, you know, mindfulness might begin with most folks by, by emptying the mind, like not becoming aware. Like whatever comes to the doorstep of your mind, not placing attention on it and just trying to hold yourself in an open space and, and let the brain see that that space means no harm to you. It, it, you know, you might feel a little vulnerable at first because there isn't a thought to tether you down or there's not an old memory there to hold you in that. But when you begin to create open spaces in the mind and you, you'll slowly find what we call mindfulness. And what's going to happen is spaces in your life where you feel like you're backed into a corner and you're getting, you know, the snot kicked out of you and there's, there's no, and it's just stress. We need to create space around the stressors. So getting control of the length, depth, pace of your breathing is going to slow down your neurological activity. And as it begins to slow down, the opening layers of mindfulness would be to become not aware or not placing a label on what you're thinking and simply becoming a witness to your consciousness. You're kind of like a referee. You're not taking sides. There's no pain or pleasure. There's no good or bad. There's no love or non-love. It's simply information. And in the openness or equanimity of the information, maybe we can change our neural feedback loops around some of our perceptions and expectations of ourselves and others that could be causing us pain. So using your breath, controlling the breath, this is going to slow down the brain. Use your mind, look at the brain, and let your mind utilize its full power of free will. And in that informative process of free will, the fear will will begin to dissipate, neutralize, and finally fall away. And the lesson I learned is you, you, you tend to discover things that maybe you didn't even know were there. And our practice was, uh, you know, we started with a lamp, I think something simple, you know, just, and, and, and your mind wanders, well, what kind of lamp? Where is it? Is it on a table? Is it floating? Right. Why is it floating? And all this judgment. But try not, not to use that judgment. It, 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 does take, it does take work, but awesome, awesome experience. So I appreciate you, you walking us through that. 
and that's called the theta, the theta brainwave pattern. It's, we're all in this as children between the ages of say two and five. And in that theta state, your brain is simply absorbing the environment and placing it in the Rolodex of your brain for later activity. Most of us can't get into the theta state because we're too exhausted from too many heart rates, too many breaths, adrenal fatigue, poor nutrition, poor posture during the day. We'll just go right from the beta waves, fully awake, nine to five mind, and we'll pass out into the early stages of delta. In the deeper states of relaxation that are available to us in the theta state, you can see through your story at a much, much deeper level. And you can begin to see that what you're holding today as a fear is camouflaging a great strength and gift to you if you just don't react to it the same way you saw it last time. So if people want to... Well, I appreciate you. Yeah, if people want to learn more about you, where do they? Where can they go to connect with you or uh, get some more information from you? So uh, my website is uh, www.edherald.com. Uh, go Be Great uh, Inc. is my company. I have a new book out called Life with Breath, IQ plus EQ equals a new you. And you can get that on the website or you can get it at Amazon or any of the finest bookstores. And it's got a 30-day breathing program in it that you can take into your exercise routine, your self-care routine, your yoga routine, your corporate routine. Uh, it has a lot of evidence and science that's emerging in regard to how important how your breathing is because it's affecting every single cell in your body. And then obviously it has a little bit of my story of how I got to where I am so I can share this message with you. Thank you, doctor. God bless you. You're doing great work and you're changing an old paradigm and you're making it accessible in a healthier way for everyone. Thank you for your service. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate it. Take care, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast at www.healbetterfast.com. 